Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Hot Takes. I'm Jack Kolejewski, and I'm joined by a crowd today. What's going on here, boys? Hi! Hey. We have Robert Anderson, Mike hey. Burge, and Jeremy Kolejewski. Hello! Hot on the mics. Hot. Mike. I see. Hot take. You have a catchphrase, Mike? <clears throat> there we go. Nice. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. Good one. Cool. Every day when I wake up, every day before I go to bed. <clears throat> That's it. You should quit smoking. Nah, well, it comes at night. I'm, I'm trying. That's the movie we just saw. We just saw It Comes at Night. It sure as hell did. And, oh man, was that a quiet, tense car ride home? Uh, that was one of the worst ones, I think. That was, uh. I listened to pop music on my ride home. Yeah, yeah Mike was like, mm hmm, hmm, hmm. good day. after that movie. Man. Oh, happy <laughs> day. This is, that's the sound I heard during the, this movie, like, probably 10 times. Well, towards yeah, the, the end, I was, was really so. They were not happy. They were they were throughout the whole movie just like, oh. and then at the end, all of us what like the fuck was we that? started we started like <laughs> yeah, that, that I heard that really too. Funny. Like I was kind of trying to pay attention to all of our body language during this movie. Like we we were like sitting back at some point, and then like at another point we we're all leaning forward, and then Rob was just like. <sighs> I had to do some deep breathing exercises. Yeah. I had to put my hood up a few times. Yeah. Mm. Well, Robbie um, likes to also kind of like throw his, like, uh, whatever emotions are going through him, he likes to like uh, be audible about it in a tiny little way. Even after every trailer that we saw, every trailer that was before this movie, we got some kind of a mouse sound. Some little Robbie. Uh, so, uh, just like a. <laughs> hmm. Or a. Uh, huh? You guys can't read my mind yet. I have to let you know my opinions. Right? I, I mean, have I'm to true. let you know my opinions. Let's be fair, I can't Robbie. I'm see getting you there. all the way up there on that <laughs> on that gigantic steed of oh, yours. Oh, you didn't like that joke, did no, you? I actually, it I was really it. good. I've been saying it a bunch. <laughs> I mean, I was laughing like an idiot during the whole Transformers trailer. Well, that's, well, that's about that's... the fifth time I've seen that trailer, and I cannot wait for that movie to come out so I can stop seeing that trailer before yeah. every fucking movie that we see. Last night, hot take coming at you. You know, I think they actually got me with this one. Yeah, the fifth time's a charm. Uh, seen that trailer? Walked out of the I first really one, you think? This movie. No. No, but this is not trailer talk. No, it's not trailer talk. We're gonna talk about. It's a hot uh, take. What was the movie again? It comes at night. Mm. Mm. Let's go around the table. That yeah, sounds good. Get general opinions. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think, Jack? Or you want to go last because you're the hostess with the mostess? <sighs> that's All my. That's right. my Next. opinion. Next. <laughs> So this is an interesting one for me because, um, so the director of this movie is Trey Edward Schultz. He's a very young man. I, I believe he's not even 30 yet. Mm. And, um, this is his second big feature. His first feature is, um, Cretia, which was also a very harrowing and intense and very emotional movie. But that one was a little bit more personal. And, um... I told these guys the story, but I haven't told you this story. I almost got to interview Trey Edward Schultz. Really? I was di- Save that story for Let Us Go Around All right. and get the impressions but out. This movie was really good, but really, really, really harrowing. And I mean, it, it, it is in the same way of Cretia, of just being like, this movie is going to fuck with your head in um, a very unrelenting yeah. sort of... like. Yeah. Harrowing is a really good word to describe it because Kreisha in the same way. Once Kreisha started, everything about that movie from the cinematography to the directing to the acting to the sound design is just meant to make you feel uncomfortable. And he nails that in a more, I would say, like a slow burn kind of way. With he, It comes at night, but it's still 
We were all on, we were actually on the edges of our seats. We were all very tense. I chewed an entire finger off. I'm down a finger. Yeah. yeah. You have nine now. Yep. He seems to be very inspired by Kubrick. Sure. Yeah. Mike, uh, I mean, that's actually what I was going to point out is, is there's a lot of like Kubrick, Carpenter-esque stuff going on in there. The biggest one, obviously, is Ramiro, Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of this kind of helpless uh real world building uh with small characters and a small situation where they're thrown into these kind of larger than life circumstances that we don't really pay too much attention to the larger than life circumstances right. it's not so much about the plague or or whatever is happening to the world we open on a world where these people have already very much gotten used to uh, how they're living, they they figured out ways to uh, use electricity and with water and all this stuff. So, the events of like the world ending is not very much what's at the heart of this story. It's it's very much about paranoia and trust and and fear and fear. And it's got an amazing stellar performance um, from the 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 kid. Did you have the IMDb page pulled up? Uh. Uh, I believe uh, his the character's name is Trevor. Travis. 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 I was getting it confused with uh, Chris Pine. On the brain again, Steve Trevor's. Yeah. Um, he's absolutely phenomenal in this. Everybody's phenomenal in this movie. Everyone's Every great. actor yes. in this movie is outstanding, and uh, it's shot well. It's acted well. It's edited well. It's a great story. What's not to like about this movie? Kelvin. Harrison Jr. Kelvin Harrison Jr. is the name of the actor. He yes. was, he is, he's got a he's career. Like a, he's a 17 I I year so. old yes. kid. Well, the character is 17. The, yeah, the character is a 17 year old kid, and we're really kind of seeing the world through his eyes. He's our protagonist. He's the one, we're like, pretty much everything that he learns, we learn. We don't really learn things through Joel Edgerton's character or the mother character. We learn it through him. So he's our kind of guide through this. And But. He also presents like a, a an amount of innocence as well. Yeah. Well, that's For I sure. think very specifically why that's his age because he's a seventeen year old boy that goes through situations in this movie that we'll get into later that are very um, thematic of are very metaphorical of what uh, is at stake yeah, when th- the world starts to fall apart. I think before we go any further with this, I want to say at the top like go if you enjoy horror or suspense or anything, see go see this movie mm-hmm. because. The less you know going into this movie, the better. Yes. That was going to yeah. be my kind of uh, yeah, what, what my round think? take. Yeah, I, I so we only watched the only trailer I saw was the trailer that we did for the uh, coming attractions podcast. So I didn't know a ton going into this movie. I'm not sure how much you guys may have known, um, but I didn't I, really know. I anything. really only tried to watch that one. And from trailer. the opening scene, you kind of get like a glimpse into like what. Because um, we're going to try and do like spoiler free for a few minutes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you know, the first scene of the movie, it kind of you're you kind of see some tropes and some things. You're like, oh shit, it's this kind of movie. Mm-hmm. I never thought they would do that, and you know it's a horror movie, so you're like, oh shit, it's this kind of horror movie in this kind of world. And I I was like, the minute you see someone wearing a gas mask, I was just like hooked. Oh yeah, right. Super yeah. intrigued. I was like, oh, okay. But I, I, th- okay. I, th- I think what Trey Edward Schultz has proven himself really adept at doing is taking taking a, just a situation and making it very personal. Like, Definitely. And, it's about and, the family. And drawing it's not about... the horror out of yeah. the, personal, like, the personal story. Like, Krisha is a movie about Thanksgiving dinner mm-hmm. and is fucking harrowing. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. 
And this is a movie about some sort of world-ending plague, ostensibly. They don't even really give you that much. But that is, it's to. all removed from that. It but is, they give you enough. They give you enough, and they, they tease it out to you enough that you know that there is stakes here, yeah. and they're high, and people are at the edge of survival mm-hmm. and starting to get desperate. And that's kind of the driver for everything that happens in the movie. And the but horror the, comes from desperation. Right, and... but the, the greater world and the stuff that's going on in the greater world is, is you know, tangential to what's actually yeah. going on in this movie because it's about these characters and the way that they deal with their own personal fear and paranoia. Claustrophobia and, as well. Yeah. Oh, man. This is really claustrophobic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, uh, it's very, very hard to talk about this movie without giving anything away because yeah, the I, meat of I, the story <clears throat> is very much ingrained in the events and how they play out. I would say we're, t- are. we're 10 minutes in. We could probably, yeah, cool again, let's double there. down on... I'll see this movie. Yeah. See this movie, it's important. I'll, say, I'll say this that's pretty spoiler-free. You know, it's... The main character is the kid, but I also found it a really interesting deconstruction of the um, the post-apocalyptic uh, hero, like, prepared warrior type. The, and, the yeah, survivor with, yeah, type. Yeah, the yeah. survivor. Yeah. Like, you think of, like... Uh, Joel from The Last of Us. But even in even The Last of Us, uh, they made him flawed as well. Yeah, but Especially this Especially by is... the end. He's worked out. Well, and this would be like... This would be like one of those types in the real world and what would yeah. really happen to him in this kind of messed up situation. In this kind of situation where you're pushed to survival and yeah. you are desperate and you have a family protect, you're going to make decisions at the expense of other people yeah. for your family. Every decision is like a high stakes like cut. And you might not always make the right decision no. in, especially in really tense situations or the right decision may not. I mean, it's vague. Even why, by the time we get to the end of this movie, I think we can have a really interesting discussion about like who's right, who's wrong. What do we think about it? You know? And yeah, I, I mean, I guess too, that really is what's at the heart of everyone. We're in spoilers now. Yeah. Gloves, yeah, I guess so, so. so yeah. warning, see the movie, our gloves are off now. Listen come on, at your own come on back here at this time and we'll do it. Yes. Um, I think what Robbie just said about right and wrong is very much what the movie is about. And it's about, it. we're, we're seeing, we're seeing uh, a, a child who's about to become an adult uh, learning uh, the trials of the world, dealing with death, uh, dealing with love, dealing with trust and the loss of it all in the span of uh we we're not really told how long uh it, we're, we're not told how long it's been since everything happened mm-hmm. we're not actually even told if this is their house that they're in mm-hmm. uh we don't yeah. know like it, it seems like it might have just been a house they're in i very highly doubt that it is their house because they don't seem like they're you know, he's a teacher. I was going to say, that's a nice house for a fucking nice teacher. House for a fucking <laughs> teacher. Yeah. yeah, well, but it's a nice house in God knows where. It's like, also a movie, you know, it's also it movie be... world. Yeah, and I also like that, too. We don't know exactly I, where I it's at. I think it mm. was their house, because there was a lot of photos of them. I think they the... brought that with them. Yeah, I And I think that's why they're kind Dude. of set up in a very odd way. All the photos are on the hallway leading to the door out. That's so true. when you're on your way out to go get something done, you get to look at all of these photos of your family and your loved ones before you go out. And it's only on one side. And that not only makes for one of the most breathtaking shots that I have seen in a very long time, that is a beautiful shot of going down that hallway. The shot that they used in the trailer. The shot that they yeah. used in the trailer yeah. is just beautiful in context where you start going from the thing at the end of the hall that's slowly starting to come into focus and absolutely nothing on your left 
left and just all these different things on your right that are constantly changing as we trolley down this hallway very slowly and, it, and my eyes are bouncing all over the place and it's it's just one of those it's one of those cinematic moments that just builds up inside of you and you absolutely love it and that was something really effective in the trailer was they play the audio of the family talking about an mm. event that goes on with a lot kind of the like spark of the rest of the tension that happens in the movie yeah in the actual movie, they pan down that hallway completely without any spoken word. I th- yeah. There's music. I think it's even yeah. subtle because this is the it's beginning like, of the movie like when kinda, you do that first. A lot of the music the in this in this movie is pretty. Ambient. Ambient. It adds yeah. to the tension. Yeah, absolutely, it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely good. It's, almost, uh, almost like very, very, very dialed down Carpenter yeah. sort of. Mm. Yes, uh, I think it's. Uh, Again, like I said at the beginning, like all the things that go into this movie, they're very, they're very simple, but they're not easy. Like there's, there's a difference between those. And I think that in its simplicity, it's very relatable. I think that this is one of those kind of artsy horror movies that are coming out on wide display that the mass is like, we got a, 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 a Thursday premiere and there were f- yeah. seven of us in there. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. But I mean, no, it, was, but it, it was in like a regal. Yeah. yeah, it was all over the place, yeah. and that's very surprising to me because I think that again, because A twenty four has been successful with some of these horror movies, but also too like uh, as far as the people that are going to these uh, big chain theaters that are going to see a horror movie like The Witch, they're going in thinking that it's something else because it's heavily being advertised as something else, and it comes at night is no different. I thought this right. was a monster movie, and right. to a certain extent. It's some kind of monster. Yeah. yeah. Within, hey, Robbie. Each other. We are the Walking Dead. <laughs> you guys don't like that show? That show is... That's you, for you another kick, podcast. You kick fake Darabont off your first season? No, it's, no, it's not. Fuck that show. Meant, <laughs> that motherfucker made Shawshank Redemption. Hey, 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 look. He did. I know, yeah. Kick him he's, off. I, I he's great. It absolutely sucks they kicked him off, and I'm sure the show would have been something super special if he had stayed on there. I mean, super special. Oh, yeah. But, you know, like, I don't want to eat, like, healthy salads and shit that's good for me all the time. Sometimes I want a fucking gallon of gummy worms, and that's what Walking Dead is. It's yes. a gallon of gummy worms. If they okay. were 100-year-old gummy worms that you mm-hmm. broke all your teeth to eat because it took forever to eat one because nothing happens on that show. Coming from a guy who loves Lost. Oh my god. And you I love Lost too. Tongue. Look at me. Look into my eyes. I love Lost too. But it's suffered from a lot of the same truth. You're all very tense you're both, here. You're both fucking terrible. It's fine. I don't, both... <laughs> I don't know if I trust Jack. Can we all agree on something though? Give me mm. my gas mask. What is that, Jack? True Detective Season 2. Is, okay. No, 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 no. no, no. Detective Season 2, actually. I'm gone. I'm about to fight you. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I've broken this. I'll fix it. It comes at night. It comes at night. Uh, the It. There is no It. Oh. There is an It. Uh, I think the It is is manifested fear and what turns each other against each other in the film. The paranoia and the That's Because that yeah. is the monster, you know? Yeah. Like, that is... Sure, but yeah. no, but there is no monster, right? right. There is literally there is no, no actual monster, there is that's no, the, which that's I think the trick is, of the title. Yeah, right. and I think that's a that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. you come, you're waiting for that big third act, or even just end of the movie twist or moment where like zombie, there's zombies, there's dead grandpa. I was expecting that, up and, honestly. You know, because we don't know the rules because they don't tell us the rules, and it's it's we don't know how the virus. Works. We don't know how it works. We don't know where it came from. We don't exactly. know what it does. We don't and even know just, if it's contagious. It works. All we know is that well, it, you usually we... start to show signs of it. Uh, it usually takes about half a day. 
And I like I like how they yeah. open the movie with the grandpa getting sick because it because establishes it, the right. rules. So it's, it starts yeah. off. You have this the son that we've talked about. Joel Joel Edgerton is the father. Mask. There's right and the, right, but there was also um, a, a wife of Joel Edgerton and mother to the son. She was and then, on Alien Covenant. Was she really? Yeah. Oh, was she the she the like biologist that was taking the water samples? She was the one that gets easy. Yeah. Oh, hey Mike, hey Mike can I spoil Alien Covenant for you? It's, it's bad. Don't it's not good. Don't see it. She was the uh, wife of the captain. All right, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> doesn't matter. And then the grandpa, who is who is sick from like the first scene that we yeah. come up on, and we can see that obviously he he is um, Fubar. very ill, and yes. he they basically take him outside and old take him out. Him. Yeah, they yeah. old yell him and then yeah. light him on fire. But they don't tell you how he got sick. They don't tell you how long he's been sick. You could see. They don't see you have no idea. Up. Like, yeah. all you know is he's sick and they're scared of of him being contagious. And that's it. And like, I love, that is such mm-hmm. a good way to start your movie in a very tense way. It's, I mean, I bring up the mass yeah. protagonist thing because I really love the idea of, like, you know, the people who we meet, the people who we follow for the whole movie, our first instance with them is that their faces are covered. Right. You only see, you see them talking to this person, but you kind of, like, that's almost like a... It's like a loss of humanity. It definitely dehumanizes them. Yeah, it dehumanizes yeah. them because it's just like they have to do this thing. And then when you see them make decisions later in the film that are like dehumanize them or humanize them, however you want to dice it up, it's even more compelling. It's I really I think the opening of this movie is so interesting because it's so not what I expected from the trailer. I remember in the first five minutes of this movie, I was like, holy shit, I did not know this was like a dystopian like film kind of I thought it was just kind of like a home invasion maybe monster movie twist I didn't really know what to expect and to be honest and that but. was it's kind of um, interesting to see how how much it differs from Krisha because I see Krisha as a very kinetic movie mm-hmm. there's always like I don't really even know what you would call it but like almost like noise jazz going on yeah. all the way oh, through yeah. Krisha I, I, read, and I read an article recently music. by the guys that uh, did the music for that and they talked about how it was a uh, like almost like manic uh way of going about scoring a film they they tried to pretty much create uh specific uh melodies or sounds for different emotions right and as those emotions were being juggled around by characters in the film and also the editing and the pacing of the movie and what we want the audience to feel they were messing around with all of that and just constantly throwing it around with like Dozens of emotions and dozens of, of themes. Right. And that's crazy. Manic it's, is a great way to describe it. Yeah. Definitely. And it's like that music makes you feel like you're going crazy, just like Aunt Cretia right. in that movie. And it reminds me of like a Hannibal music. Kind of, yeah. yeah it, or like American Gods. Yes. Brian Fuller uses that type of, of noise jazz, if you right. will, uh, to his advantage as well. Mm-hmm. But I think It Comes at Night is interesting because it differs in that I think it really takes its time. And yeah, it, it is a it is a slow burn movie, but it again, yeah, it's got it a is. very simple thing that it's trying to present. And when you have somebody who is as capable of presenting ideas in a cinematic and thematic way as Trey Edward Schultz, who is very quickly he 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 gives me one more of these, and he's he's gonna he's be in. my favorite uh, like yeah. young director operating right now, you know, because like Ryan Johnson used to be it, but. He's Star Wars now. He's in the big time. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, yeah. he's time big guitar body. To the little guy. Ryan's going to be fine. Ryan's going to be fine. Yeah, he's going to be fine. Um, and this movie is just an absolute treat 
to people that dig movies because people that dig movies normally horror is one of their favorites because the the genre of horror has its rules and its tropes and you really don't need to go beyond those because those are fun and exciting on their own you can present them in original and new ways and that's what makes for a really good horror movie or you can completely throw something in that's never been seen before that plays off of those tropes and that's when you get something really special Mm -hmm. and it comes at night i think is a just like Krisha, is a nice melding of the two. Krisha was a family drama film presented through a horror lens. And this is a horror movie where the family issues are the horrific events. They are the they are the ones that are dying. They are the casualties. They're they're the ones getting knocked off by a masked killer that we don't see. I think it's like um I agree with you, but I also think that it's like um, it's similar. How do you decide describe uh, Krisha? It's like them taking the dystopian world drama, but like as much as that could be a scary theme, it's getting the horror lens in this case. Like this is really the horror of this like, is a horror movie. This is a horror movie. It is a dystopian film. It is dealing with tropes of dystopian yes. movies yes. for sure. Could very easily have been a zombie movie. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like how The Lobster is a dystopian film, mm-hmm. but it's also this like weird, absurdist hybrid movie that mm-hmm. doesn't really have a home. This movie is like takes it kind of pulls from tropes of. I think it pulls more from tropes of sci-fi and horror. And it kind of funnels it through, or like more sci-fi dystopian movies, and funnels it through a horror lens, mm-hmm. similar to how you described uh, Krisha. Well, I think it builds a lot of the tension that you get out of the horror from this, not from the fact that there are zombies or whatever, but yeah. like that th- their families at They're trying to live. And they're trying to survive. Yeah. And just that idea of protecting your family and, and claustrophobia and paranoia mm. of strangers that you mm. have invited into your own home yeah. to do the right I think, thing. I think, too, yeah. that it's very important that the main characters in this movie are isolated into two groups. Right. That's a very political stance. Mm. And that mm. they are both families. Right. Yes. And not only are they both families, mm. they are both pretty much uh, operating as uh, the same uh, traditional type of family, the right. nuclear family. You have a dad... A mom and a child. Right. And that's what's going on. And, and them entering into this family who has just lost one of their own, like uh, uh, a symbolic uh, a symbolic person. They a, both a lost one of their own. Yeah. You know, a grandfather or a father, well, a father figure. They're gone. We, we also... don't know how real the, um, the second family's alibi is. Because remember when they're having the, like, the whiskey drink? Yeah, and he, yes. He kind of calls him out. So we... So, but th- it that's... gives us doubt as the audience. Right, and I think that it's it's interesting to talk to that because the one reason that, you know, his his story sounds so fishy from the beginning is because obviously we're supposed to be questioning uh, the everybody's morals and where they're coming from and what they're trying to do. And there's, there's you know, a heavy-handedness to uh, the events that are happening after we get our montage of how these families are getting together. Are there people out in the woods that are with this new group that are waiting out there for their right time to be able to get in. I like that we never find out who opened the door. Right. I like that we never find out uh, if um, Stanley, the dog, mm-hmm. actually was sick. We right. see, and it looks sick as fuck, but we never but also actually like, find out. It looks hurt. It looks hurt. Yeah. So we don't really know, and that lends itself to uh, the further questioning that Joel Edgerton's character has for Will. 
And when he brings up that brother moment, that's a very well, very well paced and executed moment. Yes. Where you, you hear it. And if you are paying attention and you've been paying attention for the movie, you realize it before Joel Edgerton does. And you go, wait a minute, you fucking said you had a brother earlier. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And again, the way that the, the guy who plays Will, who also is fucking fantastic in this movie, so he, he, I believe him. I believe that he kind of, in the moment right there, he was telling the truth and before he was lying. And he said, "My brother," and he didn't lie on purpose. He's just like, "My brother," like. Don't well, he was also kill he was me. also tied to a tree. Yeah, he's like, "Don't kill me, my brother." Blah blah blah. Yeah. And I think that in that moment, he realized he was reminded of the structure of power that exists in this house. That even though they are co living together, it's Joel Edgerton's house. It's his rules. It's his rules that they're following. He's the one that chooses what they're all doing, when they do it, how they do it. And he's reminded of that and he's kind of taken aback at a moment. And it's immediately after that scene that we that we get the big um, chisel wedged between these two families. Right, which is somebody in this house did something and nobody is owning up to it. Mm-hmm. And that throws everything out of whack that throws all of the trust that they have built for a very long time completely out the window not just between the two families but also uh the dad joel edgerton starts not trusting the son right and in that way and just as the son has started to regain trust in his dad after like watching him burn his grandfather you know which he definitely shouldn't have been there burn his grandpa tied this guy to a tree kill his dog but i think that we get to see his character really grow and uh, because he has no problem having uh, his son help him wheel, uh, you know, the father of his wife and the father of his mother, respectively, out to a, a, a fe- out to like the woods and shoot him in the head and then burn him alive. But he after that learning, like maybe that wasn't the best way to go about it. He won't let him even see the dog. Right. Yeah. Let alone help him. Like he, he kills the dog first and then. Um, Travis helps helps them bring it out bring it out to the hole. Right. I think it's yeah. interesting. Like, I feel like we might all have different like ideas of like the politics of the movie. You know, like because like for me personally, like I side with a uh, Joel Edgerton is the main uh, dad. Right, yeah, he's the dad. So I, you know, most of the movie, if not the whole movie, like I kind of get where he's coming. It's like how um, it's like how in Chinatown. You follow Jack Nicholson's character, who's making all these things to a point where it's almost like he keeps kind of fucking up, or like he doesn't, he keeps having the wrong lead or the wrong thing happen to him. Right, he's but in the, over his head. He's in over his head. But the thing is, he's as good as a detective as we are as the audience. And like this character, who's being this defensive and this paranoid and this trying to save his family, is doing to me personally. I can only speak to my opinion. Is being like the most protective. He's. I'm always just like, yeah, that's probably the right. That's what I would do. I'd be kind of crazy paranoid too. Like, I don't know if I would trust this family, even if they live in my house for five years. I don't know, because they're going to try and protect their son, because I'm going to try and protect my son. There's there's only one moment that I would disagree with you. Sure. Where I think he actually made the wrong move. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know if we want to get into it now, but the scene where, you know, once the tension breaks and they are they have each other at gunpoint, yeah. and, and Joel Edgerton's character goes for the gun. And he could just yeah. let him go. He when they, just let him when go, they yeah. have put down their guns, they have come to some sort of like peace, mm-hmm. and all they want is their fair share 
of the rations that they have because they have worked out a system where they are sharing food and water. The uh, Will's character's family brings the food. Uh, Joel Edgerton's character has the water. And this sets up the final climax of the movie. Right, and they but... and they are at peace, and Joel Edgerton, Joel Edgerton still But the movie is the capitalizing gun. on that little bit of doubt that I think we all would have in that I moment. I think it's a little bit of doubt and a little bit of greed as well, because I think yeah. in that moment, Joel Edgerton's character is running through his head like, they're going to leave with half of our supplies. Right. And I, am I, I going to let that happen and jeopardize Fuck the supplies no. that my yeah. family has? Mm-hmm. It's the classic question that our country is really being asked right now. Not to get political. Mm-hmm. But in like with uh, immigration, refugees, and I don't think that they are going for this, uh, but it's very heavily there. Um, I mean, it's an anxiety that already exists in our own yeah, head. And it's... Because this movie Speaking is feeding anxiety, into this yeah. movie is feeding into paranoia, making you paranoid, making you distrust characters like good horror movies and good mysteries and thrillers do. You don't know, you don't know what side that you want to be on. Um, it's very reminiscent of, you know, the idea of people coming into this country or any country. Um, do they want to? Are they there to help? Or are they there to take? Or are they there just because they have no other they option? they have no other yeah. option. Exactly. That's, that's I think, uh, a question that is underlying in this movie. It doesn't transcend to all the other themes that are operating within it. So I think it's kind of more my own That's a good... That's a, I think that's an astute allegory. I'm not sure if the film itself is trying to speak directly to that. But I think when you're talking about real-world bigger anxieties and then kind of putting it in the smaller world of the film i think that makes total, yeah it makes total sense but i think yeah, another yeah. strength of this movie is it poses a lot of ideas yeah. without offering answers his home is a nation this nuclear family is a nation having bringing on this other nation who needs resources and need people refugees essentially putting the main character putting um the character he tied to the sh- to the tree through a vetting process and then bring him to the house. It's very, you know, yeah, it is really. It's similar. When you it's break it totally down, it's similar. Pretty, yeah. What do you think, Jeremy? Um, well, uh, with with Joel and his and his decisions, it goes back to what I was saying about him, uh, the deconstruction of the uh, trying to be the hero, trying to be the level headed guy. He's trying so hard to be level-headed, and he's trying so hard to provide for his family and for his family to be safe that he takes the extra step, and it fucks up everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, like you guys said, that choice that he takes at the end there to, like, you you see him make the choice. Yeah. 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 No, you You see it in his eyes. He decides. Could have gone either way. Because I was waiting for, I was waiting for the mom to just blow him away. Just blow him away. I was waiting for any moment. And And she does They do give you classic moments where that is definitely going to happen. That at any point in his long, winded delivery of certain lines, you're like, at any minute, that fucking wall behind him is going to get a pop splatter of blood and the actor is going to act like he just got shot in the head and there's going to be a little CGI. I get it. (laughs) I know exactly what's going to happen and it never comes. And you're like, oh my God, are they actually going to work this out? And you just see Joel Edgerton's eyes just change. Just just look from one place to the other and just in an instant makes a decision that could make or break this entire situation. And it ends up, uh, it ends in tragedy. It ends in uh, a horrific final scene. That's final scene. That that is, I mean, that's what really... It's know. very important <clears throat> too that we never find out. 
um, if the kid was if sick. If the kid was sick. They purposely hide Very his important. entire body mm-hmm. the whole time. And we know that if you are showing signs of sickness, you have lesions on your body, you're spitting up black goo or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. It's clear when you're sick. Yeah. And I, well, well, you, you, know, you brought up the lobster before. Yeah. And the, I don't think there's been a scene that is that upsetting since maybe that scene, you know, the one I'm talking about in the lobster. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as this scene. Yeah. Because that was fucking rough. I mean, it reminded me a lot of, uh, like, train spotting for, like, the easy yes, reason. Yes, yeah, definitely. You know? Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, but that's, that's the scream. one that, like, oh, my God. Oh, Hearing her God. be like, just fucking kill me. Just fucking kill me. And then. He does it. She does it. He yeah. does it. Like, yeah, he does it to her. If you were to know for a fact that the kid was uh, sick. sick, it that would change. It would very much movie. change the dynamic because you're not supposed to know. Are they leaving because now they themselves can't trust these people? Right. Or are they leaving because they don't think that these people trust them anymore? And in return, they're like, well, then I'm not going to trust them. Right. Or are they hiding something? And I think at the root of each one of those assumptions is they're doing what's best for everybody. Right. If the kid is sick, they want to leave so they don't get the family sick. If they don't trust those people, they want to leave to keep their kids safe. And if the family doesn't trust them out of respect, they're going to leave so no more problems arise. Right. And yeah. it's in this instance where the mother makes the right choice and it takes a leap of faith and it takes a lot of trust, something that has been whittled down to almost nothing by the turning point and by the end right. of this movie. And she actually makes it. And it's and, and the fucking dad, man. And that's the thing. That's that's where I disagree with what Joel Edgerton did, and I think that's where greed comes in because, like you said, in every instance, them leaving is the right choice because they have broken that trust now. Whether or not there was a reason for them to break that trust or not, the trust is broken, and it was a very fragile thing to begin with, and now that it's broken, it cannot be repaired. Who do you, who do you think got sick first? Which son do you think got sick first? Because you know one of them's sick. You find that out by the end of the movie. Well, I, th- I think But that... that's the other thing is the grandpa got sick in the yeah. beginning of the movie. So how did he None of the sick? rest of them got sick. Right. And they never explain how he got sick. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like the family themselves know exactly the mechanics of, of this illness. Yeah. They just are kind of like germaphobes. Because sometimes they go out with gas masks. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they take the gas masks off. Yeah. They, it seems like they're not really sure what's going on. And that mm. amount of the unknown just lends to that paranoia right yeah we 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 are we as an audience are allowed to not really need to be bothered with why did uh travis get sick at the end right and there's the idea that travis was uh that travis was getting sick and that's why the other family wanted to leave um there's the very big option that we are seeing a lot of these things because the movie plays very heavily on uh not knowing the difference between real and a dream yes you know and like that's the it that comes at night is uh the The night is the nightmare is the ideas that the the fear the the ideas that people are out to get you and right. you're about to go to sleep. And those nightmares are the very real visualization of right. those and it's, fears. And it's very possible, and it's very possible that um, he could have started showing signs of being sick even before 
uh, the whole event with the door being opened. And we as the audience were seeing it through his lens, so we were not seeing that he was getting boils. And we were not seeing that he was doing this. Right. And we were seeing it through his lens and his family's lens who were in complete denial. This is spitballing. But I think that that's a very heavy possibility. And again, it's not so much about why did he get sick or how did he get sick. It's about the effect that it takes on the parents. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, what I was going to say about the uh, the not knowing whether it's a dream or if it's reality, I actually noticed when it was a dream because the aspect ratio aspect changed. Ratio, just like Christian. <laughs> which, was very, which was very clever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he did that in Christian too. Like, that's one of my favorite things about Trey. It's funny because you know when, like, those, he when he uses those, uh, those tools. When he wakes up and his mom's sitting by his side, you're kind of like, oh, this is the real one. Yeah, like this, this is, is this is the one where he, yep. no, he actually is like sick this time. Yeah, um, which is just such brilliant visual directing. It's such brilliant and visual directing. It's thematically, it's so fair. Being like, you just saw this family do something terrible. Here's your vengeance. If you give a fuck about that as the audience, there you go. They took away. Well, now I, the son's dead. I mean, I, and you know? in that last shot, they're sitting at the table. They both have boils on their arms. I don't yep. know if you guys noticed yeah, that. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, both know. Sick. they're both sick. Uh, they're both. They're all sick. Uh, the it is given away too that he's sick very early. If you're paying attention, uh, when he's looking in the mirror, you can see there's something going on with his eyes. We've been shown to pay attention to people's fingers and their eyes and their eyes. Yeah. And in that moment when he's uh, he's um, gagging but he's not actually throwing up, and then mm-hmm. he looks at himself, you can see that his eyes actually have some ridges. I might be uh, reaching again yeah, here. No, That's but I, 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 think I thought the mom was going to end right there. I thought it was going to end right there, too. With yeah. the, There's a with few staying on him and just long enough happening. to notice the ridges and then end, and I was going to be like, that's a pretty cool ending, but I want more because I want... A I, little bit more. I want, uh, yeah. I want an ending. I, I think I, they gave just that little bit more that you wanted. They needed that final yeah. scene. That, With that them final just sitting shot there at the table. At is... the table. It's not the spinning top like at the end of the Inception. This is kind of like a... All right. And they don't say anything. So, they sit there in silence. And and you really have to pay attention. Like, you really have to look at their arms. Because yeah. I think the, the I didn't mother has... I until you just said it. I think the yeah. mother has, like, a, you can see, like, a small lesion on her arm. Yeah. And Joel Edgerton's face is all fucked up because he just got he beat up by Will. beat the but, shit out of him, yeah. But I mean, it is an ending where no one, no one wins. No, no one is happy at the end of that movie. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I, I remember watching the film and being like, you know, a, a lot of times when I watch movies, I like try to figure out where the act breaks are. Wasn't super engaged trying to do that. And this, at this point, during this movie, but like, there's a certain point in the film where I was like, oh, this is Act Three. Like the shit's about to hit the fan. And like then I kind of understood what like the story was, where it's like you know they're having that fight about being like. The dog came back fucked up. Something's fucked up. Well, the act three is when they wide. go to their separate rooms. They go to their separate rooms, and yeah. then that's the beginning of Act Three. Yeah, but then then I realized it's like because I wasn't sure if the story was about like something bigger than just these two families, or if it was just about these two families. And then I kind of in that moment was like, all right. And I really like that the story didn't have to be bigger than these two families. No, it's about it's to. about surviving, and like you know, we compare it a lot to Last of Us, and Last of Us is like a super cool video game, but you know, I think. They kind of spearheaded telling these like personal stories about survival, and then like this movie really, whether you know the guy who made it knows about Last of Us or not, or he I'm, cares. I'm sure he does. I'm assuming. But he picked, you know, a, he picked an actor named Joel. Joel to play the dad to be the bearded like dad <laughs> yeah. role. <laughs> it's true. But at the same time, that's what Trey Edward Schultz's strength is: is telling stories about families and telling very yeah. Very heart wrenching and very hard mm-hmm. stories about people families. talk about The Last of Us not because of like the action 
or what the plague was. They talk about the relationship between the two main characters. Mm-hmm. This is a movie not about the plague or the action, the gun violence or anything like that. It's about family. These two families. Yeah. yeah. And and the end is a fucking gut punch, man. <laughs> I mean, we all like the we, end, we just it, sat yeah. there quietly for when knocked out of us, just not feeling too. And hot. it's interesting how you bring up like the people that come to these to the Regal to see these movies, looking for like a horror monster movie or something mm-hmm. like that, because the you could hear the people behind us just being like. What? One of my favorite questions that people ask uh, a movie after it ends. Seriously? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it's, uh, again, like there's something kind of innate in commenting on how other people watch movies that kind of make you seem a little pretentious or something like that. And that's not what we're really trying to say. It's more... It's it's the pretentiousness that these people bring to the theater, right? And it's it's the idea that like I paid my money and I want I that's the word I want my money's worth. Mm-hmm. That's the worst thing that you can do with a movie because a movie, it completely strips away the art that is not just a film but watching a film. Watching a film is an art in and of itself. These people are presenting you ideas that are wrapped around in a nice compact little story but i mean i'm sure those same people are going to go see or watch the trailer for annabelle origins that happened before this and we're like oh that movie looks great annabelle and their creation whatever <laughs> is that a prequel to another movie? annabelle Beginnings. well now the conjuring I, is its own cinematic all universe I, all i know is that there's a bunch we're of in creepy a, doll movies. we're in the bad future because yeah. now even the conjuring is its own cinematic it's a dystopia universe. for film we're getting there but we're also in the good Good era of film where these art house horror movies are given screen time yeah, at a major. Sure. I mean, this I the people sitting behind me when I went to go see The Witch had the same exact reaction. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've heard that reaction time and time again with horror movies. I mean, it's no coincidence that both of these movies were distributed by A twenty four. It seems to be A twenty four's A twenty four's goal is to get these kinds of movies into mainstream seats. You know, and they're yeah. they're they're doing a great job Absolutely. at it. I mean, at the end of the day, that's really the most important part of a distribution company or an exhibition <clears throat> company is to try and get people to sit down and watch a movie that otherwise they would never even come across. And that's right. one of the beautiful things about streaming services like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and HBO Go and stuff like that. Like you can you have access now to all of these so much stuff. Yeah, and it is. It's in no way uh, a deficit on on how film is supposed to operate as an art form and as as an as a form of entertainment. It it strengthens both of those. It's just I think that some people are becoming very content and lazy uh, with the you know the the now 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 me 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 uh, culture that's being created around technology. And because film is probably the heaviest art form that is all based on technology, music you can just you can just make, make some fun sounds and sing some songs just with a bunch of people, and that's music. Writing, you just write something down. Like, film actually does take cameras and uh, screens and some form of projection. It's or expensive. Some, it's yeah. expensive. Yeah. It's a technological art. And as technology booms and raises, um, the expectations of how easily we can consume this art are going to start to be tightened. And when people go out to the theater, I mean, come on, man. You just saw this brand new, awesome, uh, horror trope expanding movie. 
that taught you all about trust and love and grief and death. And, and it leaves you with the questions of the, do the things that I, the, the choices that I make, how they affect myself and how they affect the people around me and who they make me as a person. You see all this and you go, seriously? Well, because there was no monster. Yeah. And it's that's, like, it's, yeah, just, it's... it's just a complete misunderstanding but of what that People's so expectations are their worst enemies. Sometimes. Yes, that's very There's true. There's this kid I work true. with at my job, and like I remember the Babadook came up once. And he was like, oh, that movie sucks. Yo. Oh, my God. And, I, I, uh, and he's dead now. Connor. <laughs> Connor. Uh, yeah, so I murdered Connor. But um, you know, he said that, and I remember just being like, wow, like... You just don't fucking get it. Like you just don't. And that's and, you know, that's what yeah, I like yeah, to tell. That, that, that is you know? that's that pretension angle that I was talking about. But that's, that's not what we mean. It's like yeah. we love movies so much that we when s- other people don't get it, we just naturally were like. And here, hold on. Here's here's the strategy I've developed. Right when someone says something like that, yeah, something outlandish like that, you say do it again. No, no, no. You say that's fine. Just change your language because you didn't like the movie. Exactly. That was didn't a, suck. That's a good movie that you didn't like. Yeah. That's fine. Mm-hmm. And again, that's the me culture. My opinion on something overall shows what it means to the world. Because if I didn't like it. That means it sucks. Because of course, like opinions are are important, and and people's opinions are are varied. But yeah. there is a level of merit to filmmaking where there is a difference between a good movie and a bad Very, movie. Very hundred percent. But then yeah. even the way that you absorb a bad movie or not is different too like i love the and that's why you can enjoy a bad movie and hate a good movie for sure i'm not a huge fan of the original avengers i mean there are there are (laughs) probably there are probably way better movie better examples of movies that are Mm -hmm. critically like lauded across the board that all of us in this room have examples that we do not like 100 percent, yes and that's fine yeah it's all taste. We like, can admit the craftsmanship, but, you know, yeah. personal taste. Exactly. I have friends who, uh, this is a weird segue, or, like, sidebar, but, like, uh, we're talking about Kendrick Lamar, and we're talking about, like, his newest <laughs> album, and, you know, his album's getting, his newest album got a lot of hype, a lot of people like it, it's, like, number one on everything, but they were just like, oh, I think it's the worst Kendrick Lamar album. I'm like... Well, that's a different story with, I think, the first thing you're introduced by to by an artist is most likely going to be your favorite. I think my main thing I was like kind of criticizing them on that they did not care for my criticism of, they thought I was trying to change their opinion, but I was just kind of like, I just don't know, like, if it's your least favorite thing, I don't know if you call it their worst. Like, that's not like your, you shouldn't, I just feel, I, it puts a bad taste in my mouth, like. Yeah, it's, it's it's like just it's by the, definition of it not being their best, it makes it their worst. Criticizing I don't know. something, right? Yeah, forming an opinion on something is what makes us individuals. Our opinions on things are the ones that are the one thing that like we completely fucking own. Yeah, because we come to those conclusions based off of all of the experiences that we have ever had. Is all like everything when you watch any movie or take in any form of art, any song, any story, any movie, anything. It's being ran through your personalized filter that you have spent all your life creating. Forming, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, your own personal experiences are what drives that ex- that opinion. Mm-hmm. I think also we have, you know, as creators, we have a lot of respect for creators. I think that's why I, ha- I was having that discussion with them. Because I was right. just like, you know, like, he is doing a thing that, like, it's hard that you can't do and I can't do. And, like... It's like someone's just like, oh, that was your worst podcast. It was so good, though. I'd be like, 
you, the language is wrong. The language is wrong. You know, it's well, like it's, it's my yeah, least it, favorite. It, it's when you, you know? get to a point where you're, you know, you're used to being able to articulate what you're talking about um, intelligently. Like there's yeah. no, there's no uh, softer word to use than that. It's being able to approach a conversation with a certain level of intellect on a matter to be able to bring something to the table, so that you're not just yelling at each other and like arguing. And just like, or just, or even agreeing, like, you're just like, yeah, that, that, and this, 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 and that, that. And it's like, there's a a way where you can, you can kind of like, just easily talk about something and just speak your opinion on it. And some people, like, again, it goes to that whole sense of saying a movie sucks. Movies don't suck. They don't. Except Alien Covenant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they like it's it's an art form. It's like they the person made it for somebody. The people that were involved yeah. in that thing, like they like it. It's for somebody. They made it for somebody. They just probably didn't make it for somebody that's been through the shit that you've been through. Yeah. You know, and and it's like there are, there are, like I, I always say like there's no bad movies because it's it's a good mantra to live by and it makes you appreciate even the lowest form of art that you can find in any movie and it's not an absolute it's just kind of a mantra but i do think there is examples of movies and i keep shitting on alien covenant it's more my joke at this point but i really don't like that movie but Mm -hmm. i think there are movies that set out to accomplish something and miss the mark right and you can say like oh that movie just didn't like saying a movie sucks is like giving a movie. It's like just a 0% lazy. It's just lazy. Rotten Tomatoes. That's all. Yeah. You know, it's it's. Why did it suck? Artic. If you can articulate to me in a couple sentences why you thought a movie sucked or why you didn't like a movie, you gonna respect that opinion. I'm gonna way respect more. that opinion yeah. way more. And Robbie I and I did that for like an hour and a half. Points for make alien, sense actually, to me. So. Yeah. <laughs> I had friends of mine who did who did kind of critique my commenting on Alien and like. You know, they brought up some things where I thought they were fucking wrong, but the, but they were able to articulate what they enjoyed about the movie. And why let's they thought it was let's good. let's talk offline so we can we can uh, compare notes and dismantle that argument for the future. Please. I think the biggest difference for me between a good movie and a bad movie is that a bad movie doesn't feel honest. Like a bad movie doesn't come from an honest place. It just comes from a place either just to make money, yeah. or just to it like can feel like the pandering. mummy. Yeah, like, or that, you know, going back to fucking Transformers again, just to, like, check all the boxes and rake all the cash in, that's it, it's done. They're not trying to tell a story. They're not, they're not being honest. Yeah, when you could see a movie's trying to be genuine and you can kind of critique on what's what's doing well, what's not doing well. That's one thing. It's an honest conversation. And then, like, you know, to this movie, like, to It Comes at Night, like, it's checking off, like... This is a movie where, like, Homeboy's trying to tell, like, a real-ass story, where he puts some thought into it. Oh, he comes he, from such a Where he workshopped place. the shit out of the script, and he knew what he wanted to do, and it's, he knew his very angles. very much a story about grief and death. And yeah. I wonder it's if tight, it's... tight, you know? Yeah, if, like, you know, because, like, Krisha was so based off of a, a personal event, and he kind of, like, wrote off of that, used his own family. I wonder what was behind uh, coming this, up. Because I, there's I told you, when I watched Krisha, I looked up, mm-hmm. what is this Trey Hubbard Schultz character up to now? And I'd found out that he had just uh, gotten like Joel Edgerton on as an executive producer for this mm. movie called It Comes at Night, which is a plague virus movie that takes place in the woods and it's way more horror than Christian. They spoke a little bit to it. And so I've been waiting for that. But I wonder, since now, like, I know that he wrote this movie either before or while he was filming Krisha, before the critical acclaim. So this is an answer to his acclaim. God bless you. Thank you. I'm allergic to talk. Uh, 
No, it's okay. Um, <laughs> There's a cat named Jack also. I think that I, I, I'm really curious to see like if this came from a personal place as well, because I think that he's dealing with grief and death and trust issues in a way that is, uh, it speaks to, uh, it, it speaks volumes of realism. I don't I, think you can pull off a movie this personal without having some sort of yourself in it. Right? I could have almost <laughs> yeah. found that out for you because about uh, you tell your story. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> it is it is time. <laughs> about about a year ago, I was doing an assignment for um, for a Duchess class, and he assigned um, like talk to someone from like Hollywood, someone who's made it in some kind of way. <laughs> That's a rough assignment. I know, right? Assignment. Guess who guess who assigned it? Lindsay Lohan you talked to. Who assigned you, it? You can you can guess uh, Do you afterwards. have Lindsay Lohan's number? No. Is the guy <laughs> but, is the guy the recently the beard? I just watched Cresha right before that assi- the assignment was assigned. So I figured, oh, this is a small enough movie where I could probably get like maybe like an email from Trey Edward Schultz breaking all that down. So I got as far as talking to one of the executive producers of Cresha, and he and he actually emailed me. Wow, you just want to email the director of this movie? You got some balls, kid. And I and I emailed him back like I just want to ask the guy a few questions for a school assignment. I'm he, not really trying like, to get anything out of this. He's like a dude. Yeah, like, come on. He's, you know, he's a person. He's I wanted... a dude that made a very small movie. You know, I'm yeah, good, I'm, but I'm a young guy who wants to get into the same field he's getting. I want to know how he got into it at such a young age. Yeah, he's allowed to say no. But yeah, for but sure, I mean, yeah. But who he's the allowed... fuck is this guy that sent you that back? An yeah. executive producer. One of the, it's the elite. It's the elitism. It's just like you can't talk to the talent. It's that bullshit. It's maybe the reason he, that like maybe it's hard he to actually meant it in like a, like. But I but I sent I I sent him like what I just said and he never got back to me. So it's all right. But Trey, hit us up. Yeah, right? We'll have, we'll have you on the really, podcast. We really, really, really like your movies. We like you, too. <laughs> we like your movies. Your, your movies, movies are so good, and I hope that you get to Hey, listen, if you them. stroke them too hard, you might not want to come out. Yeah, I don't want to break your arm jerking And we off. just got to tag them on Instagram, and we'll get like likes from people who work on the movie. That's happened a few times with this podcast. That's happened once. Uh, from a couple, from maybe, a few people. Maybe after yeah. this one, it'll be a few times. Mm-hmm. All right, you guys have any more thoughts or um, anything else you want to talk about? For there comes at night because we've we've strayed from the path. Pretty, I like oh, the it's a good, it's a good conversation because conversation, I think yeah. it comes at night is very much that type of movie that people, you know, like we were speaking to right at the beginning. It's coming full circle mm. on the podcast. Uh, is like when A twenty four releases these movies because A twenty four has that name now. You know, the name for us when we see A twenty four, the A twenty four logo pop up at the beginning of a trailer, like, we go, yeah. yeah, here we go. When A24 logo pops up to other people that have been burned by movies like The Witch or It Comes at Night, they might see A24 and they go, oh, th- those are the people that made like that farting Harry Potter movie and it wasn't even funny. <laughs> you know, like the, these are these are opinions, however misguided and just absolutely wrong. They, well, you know, they are out there. Annabelle Origins is there for those people. Exactly. They can watch Annabelle Origins. They'd be like, Chapter I really, zero. the doll was so shiny in that movie. I loved it. It looks real because dolls are shiny. She's life. a shiny doll. I actually really do like The Conjuring. The Conjuring is pretty the good. The first one's so, supposed to be pretty good. The second right? one's actually really good. I haven't Conjuring seen it 2 is okay. It's a little more bloated. I really did like I was yeah. very surprised by The Conjuring. That Annabelle doll is supposed to be based on a real That's the whole thing doll. with The Conjuring. But the original, like but the original doll is just some raggedy animal. No fucking thanks. Yeah. Haunted Doll Watch 2017. I'm already... I get squeamish in her horror movies. I was fucking squeamish in this movie. 
the doll shit. I, don't, I never watched no Chucky. My <laughs> sister, my sister had American Girl doll. I don't fucking fuck with that shit either. You're not even you don't fuck with Chucky. Hell wait, wait, wait. no! I don't like dolls. dolls. I don't like dolls. I wish I didn't Whoa, tell you that. No, I wish say, I didn't tell you that. Say, I don't want to say, say it. I don't want to say it here. That information. Now I, Mike knows that information. I Dude, might be. Like some boxes around don't here. tell Mike your fears. I already ever. think your house already might be haunted. It's so big. You have such a big house. All right, boys. I, I, come the on. Ghosts are everywhere. All right, boys. They love big houses and murder. Thank you out there for listening. Thank you, <laughs> Robbie, Mike, and Jeremy for joining me, Jack Kaljeski, on this very fun hot take. Ooh. See you guys next time. Be spooky. Definitely. Look out for dolls, Robbie. I'm always on the lookout for dolls. <laughs> Don't fuck with the chuck. Do it, do it, do it. Are you okay? Yeah, I, I was just being Jeremy with popcorn in the movie theater. Wow. <laughs> Boom! Wow. <laughs> Damn. Did you know you're gonna get boom roasted? He eats, he eats one popcorn. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, to be fair, to be fair, I was trying to eat popcorn as quietly as possible during that movie too. And I was like, when the exciting scenes came in, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> really quick, while like the last. Yeah, I was like, now's my chance. <laughs> Just popcorn crush eating the etiquette. It's okay, man. You're eating. I'm not gonna fault you for that. It's fine. I'm, I'm just pointing it out. Also, popcorn is the fucking devil's candy. Like, I literally I took the popcorn away, away from you at one point, and I'm so sorry. I didn't want to. No, no, it. no, it's fine. It's, I was just you like, paid for enough, the popcorn. Enough for the popcorn. All right, all you right. paid for it. I, I felt bad. Babies. I felt bad eating it, to be honest.